Welcome to episode 588 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Glad to have you back, Richard. Uh, you were away last week, and my week, man, I, I don't know if, if if you've heard anybody else call it this, but May really is December 2.0, if especially, <laughs> especially if you have kids, because it's just cramming everything into the last month of the school year instead yeah. of cramming everything into the last month of the calendar year. Yeah, interesting. I've not heard that before, but I like that. I totally like that. I think that's kind of cool. It's even got holidays. It's got Mother's Day. It's got Nurses Day. It's right. got it's got all sorts of holidays. So it's chaotic, especially if you have kids, and that is no different for me. So yeah, uh, that's that's why we were gone last week, or at least why I was gone. Richard had better reasons. So, but we're back this week. One thing that is not back this week is listener feedback. We don't have any. So if you'd like to hear your own thoughts and opinions read out on this very podcast, all you have to do is send us some email, entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com, and we will read your feedback or questions or whatever you've got for us. But since we don't have any, we can jump right in to the news, and we always start with the video news. Starting off with a story that when I first saw the headline, I thought, eh, I'll add this to the show notes, but I'm not even sure that I'm going to care enough to cover this. And then I started reading about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually kind of jealous that I can't use this app. So Amazon, even though I think it was the very previous episode, maybe it was two episodes ago, we talked about how they're renaming their IMDb streaming service into Free. Freebie. Yeah. Uh, they still want to keep the IMDb name around for other things. And one of them would be this new app that is called IMDb What to Watch. And this is a new app that is exclusive to Amazon Fire TV devices, which kind of makes sense because Amazon owns IMDb. But I'm jealous because it's an app that's supposed to help you find things that you actually want to watch. Now, I know you've heard this story before. There are lots of things out there that say that they're there to help you find the things that you want to watch, and they've not always done the greatest job. And you're going to, th when I first start talking about this, you're going to want to write it off to you, but seriously, don't hit the skip button. So the way this works is they're going to have three different games that you play and i'm gonna like put games in air quotes there uh, yeah three activities is probably a better definition of this where uh these these activities will guide you to something that you might want to watch so the three games uh one is called quick draw and it's like it's shuffling three cards out to you and those three cards will have three different genres or three different movies or shows or whatever. And you can just pick one or say, deal me some more cards. Feels kind of lame. Feels like it'd be a waste of time. Don't do that one. <laughs> There's another one called watch challenge, which feels less like a game and more like a job in that you basically, they give you a list of, you know, pick a category and they're just going to show you a bunch of trailers 
and you that's how you find the thing you want to watch. That sounds like a lot of work. And so the one that I'm actually interested in, the one that I'm a little bit jealous of, is a simple game that everybody knows how to play. It's the game of this or that. They give you two options, you pick one. And then they give you some more options and it keeps whittling it down so that you could end up with something like a movie that's rated any rating, that's an adventure, that's set in the mountains, that runs about one and a half hours long and is highly rated by critics. That sounds amazing. That is exactly the experience that I want. What about you, Richard? I think you're underselling these options. I, I think this is really clever. I am, I don't know what the right word is. I am uh, cautious, trepidatious about how this is implemented. I think this is a great idea. And if they want to make this an Amazon Fire exclusive, I feel like it should be built into the Amazon Fire experience. Maybe pick what to watch powered by MDB, not you have to download and go to this app to do this because otherwise they're making it too hard. Right. But all three of these options seem reasonable. Like it's not just pick one of three. It's like pick three. And just like the card game, if you don't like what you have, you redeal and you get three more. Yeah. And you can figure out, okay, what do you want from that? I think that's kind of cool. But I feel like and I then, would have to go through like 47 cards before I found something <laughs> on my own watch. <laughs> and, and then the the one where you get to like watch, and I say you get to, you said you have to watch the trailers. Again, I think that's great because that gives you insight into what this is going to be like. If you're not familiar with these films, then maybe that helps you decide. So I think that's a good thing too. And I like the this or that too. I, I like all of these. I just wish that they could build it in so that it was seamless. Yeah. Yeah. And if it could be an app on my phone so that I wouldn't need an Amazon Fire TV device. Well, yeah, there's that. I mean, that would be kind of cool too if they also built this into the IMDB app. Right. And then you could use it basically by taking the recommendation and then going to your streaming device of choice and watching whatever. Right. Exactly that. Or someone could just make that app. Just, and just this or that. I don't, I don't need the other ones. Richard wants to spend his whole night watching trailers instead of movies and doesn't mind playing an endless card game and never finding a show to watch. I'll just take this How long that. is a trailer? It's like two and a half minutes. Come on. You have a couple... Two and a half minutes to spare. I guess it depends on how well they do at narrowing down those categories. Yeah. yeah. Because when I open Netflix and try to pick a category, and then I'm just scrolling, 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 scrolling. I'm scrolling a lot. And if every one of those scrolls meant watching a two and a half minute trailer, I would be up until four o'clock in the morning watching trailers. Yeah, but so, I mean, brief tangent Netflix used to be the gold standard. I was working on a video recommendation AI engine with a client years ago. And the whole reason for that is that nobody does it better than Netflix. I don't know what the heck happened at Netflix, but 
They can't seem to recommend anything I'm interested in anymore. And I know they have a ton of content that I enjoy. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat here. All right. Well, that again is called the IMDb What to Watch app. If you've got an Amazon Fire TV device, there you go. Check it out. Let us know how well it works for you. Uh, the last couple of video stories here are pretty much just quick updates-ish. Uh, the first one is an update from Fubo TV, a service that we talk about occasionally. They are one of the many now uh, online paid streaming services. I, I like to call these cable replacement services, similar to Hulu with live TV or YouTube TV, those types of things, Sling TV. Fubo TV, though, their their big claim to fame for the last few years has been that they were one of the only places doing live sports streaming in 4K. And it started in 2018 with the World Cup. Obviously a pretty big deal to have the World Cup in 4K. Well, Fubo seems to be struggling of late. They've recently eliminated their lowest cost tier. And uh, they've also been raising rates. And now they're removing a feature from their new lowest tier. And that's the 4K sports streams. So if you're on their lowest cost tier, which is called Fubo Pro, you're paying $69.99 a month and you're not getting 4K sports anymore. If you want the 4K sports, you're going to have to step up $10 a month to the elite plan to get it. Now, that's not the only thing you're, you're going to get. The, the, the $10 doesn't only get you the 4K sports. It, it gets you uh, basically two more packages of channels. I think one is another sports channel and the other one is uh, a package of news channels that would normally be $10. So you're kind of getting it for free, but you would have to step up to that next tier in order to get it. Your only other option, if you're like, no, I really need my sports in 4K, is YouTube TV. They recently started doing this. It's probably not all the same content because everybody has their own partnerships and agreements and, and licensing contracts, but they do have it, but it's going to cost you money there too, because in order to get it on YouTube TV, you're going to have to pay $19.99 a month to get the 4K Plus add-on. So not great news for Fubo. Uh, kind of makes me wonder if things are really going downhill for them and if we might end up losing our first major cable replacement streaming service somewhat soon. Yeah, and that would be unfortunate because really this just leaves the majors if they leave, right? This leaves... Hulu, YouTube, and Sling. And DirecTV as, now. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, technically, yes, AT&T. And so this, is, this was good competition for them. Fubo, which made their name on sports, was a logical fit for 4K. So for that to be an add-on here, that that – that smarts a little bit more, I think, than YouTube saying, oh, yeah, you're going to have to pay extra for that. Yeah, it, it does fit. And if you 
If you're already a Fubo subscriber, you're going to get grandfathered in. You don't have to worry about that. You're not losing it. Oh, well, that's that's really good. That is really good. But if you're if you were thinking, you know, I'm going to sign up this week because of the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs, sorry, you've missed out. You're going to have to sign up for that elite tier and able to get that. And I don't know if either of those options stream in 4K. I'm pretty certain that the NHL streams are not in 4k anywhere so probably not that but i have no idea about the nba yeah so just for what it's worth we're now talking 80 dollars a month for the base equivalent to cable with 4k this is streaming this is what we asked for thanks i yes and that i i think that's a pretty easy hot take but i think that uh it's also fair to point out that we also asked for not being tied into long-term contracts being able to watch on any device that we want being able to watch wherever we are this you is still true. get all yep. of those with these services yep. they are just nope, getting that's, more that's expensive. a good point yeah that's a good point <laughs> you crotchety all right old man. fine ruin my fun <laughs> I was trying to keep you in a good mood. You really liked that IMDb What to Watch app. so <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know if this is going to help your mood or not, but we got pricing finally from from Sony regarding, well, basically all of the TVs that they announced at CES in January. But there's really only one TV that we cared about, and that's the Quantum Dot OLED TV, which is the A95K Again, only available in two sizes, 55 and 65 inches, which still shocks me. I don't understand that at all. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I I get that 55 is one of the most common sizes. It's probably still the most common, but this isn't a low-end TV. Uh, I, I think 65 is really the smallest that anybody who's looking to buy a premium TV is going to be getting. So where are the 75 and 85-inch options here? Anyway, if you want one, you'll be able to pre-order them in June. If you want the 55-inch, it's going to set you back $3,000. And if you want the 65-inch, that's going to be $4,000. That's a lot. But, you know, I I wonder, do, do you remember if we made predictions on what we thought these were going to cost? I don't remember if we did or not, but this doesn't strike me as horrible. No. It's Sony. Right. So you're paying the Sony tax. Exactly. And for QD OLED, I'm just not convinced that this is outrageous. I, 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 I would expect to pay this kind of money for these TVs. Now, do I wish they were a step bigger? Yeah. I, I wish the 3000 was for a 65 and the 4000 was for a 75, but I'm, I'm okay with these. Yeah. Yeah. And just as a, a quick reminder, like, why should you even care about these TVs? QD OLED is the next generation of OLED TVs. OLED TVs already give you the best experience for blacks that you can get. It's basically infinite contrast ratio and every single pixel is individually lit. So super bright white, in one pixel next to a completely black pixel is absolutely doable with OLED, and it looks amazing. The only real downside to OLEDs is they haven't been able to get as bright 
At, well, actually, there's two. They haven't been able to get as bright as LED TVs, which matters especially for HDR content. And there's the risk of burn-in. QD OLEDs address both of those problems. They get even brighter than regular OLEDs. And Sony says, you know, they've got technology in these that helps prevent burn-in. Like, I, I didn't go back and look at our story from back in January, but I seem to remember them saying that they were putting some ridiculously long anti-burn-in warranty on these, which says a lot. If they're willing to warranty against it, then right. they're really convinced it's not going to be an issue. Right. Yeah, I think I think it was a couple of years. That That is really impressive. This is something that I've been watching, although I do have to laugh a little bit about the fact that we think that OLEDs don't necessarily get bright enough on their own because I have watched HDR content and there are many times when I'm like, holy crap, that is so <laughs> bright. It's hard to look at. Not bright enough, Richard. Needs to be brighter. <laughs> I want it to actually hurt. That's how you know you've got to I want a good it to TV. burn my retina. <laughs> exactly. exactly. All right. Well, let's move on to some audio news and uh, first up, Spotify is killing an app that I forgot even existed. I'm, I'm not sure that I ever checked this out, but Spotify had an app called Spotify Stations, and it was, as you might expect from the name of it, supposed to be like radio stations. And uh, th they would provide curated playlist based on your favorite artist or album genres, very much like what Pandora does but from Spotify in its own standalone app. I don't understand why this ever needed to be its own app. And now the whole thing is right. going away. Uh, as of May 16th, it will no longer work if you've got it on your phone. And if you don't have it on your phone yet, well, it's already been removed from the app stores. So you can't get it now if this does sound interesting to you. But if it does, like, who cares? Like, there's no reason for this app to exist because... <laughs> Just go into Spotify, do a search for anything. Like I, I like to use Taylor Swift because everybody knows who she is. If you search for Taylor Swift, one of the options will be Taylor Swift radio. It's basically the same thing. It's a playlist slash radio station of Taylor Swift songs and songs like Taylor Swift songs. It's exactly the thing you're looking for. And it's already there. So this app didn't need to exist. Maybe it did a couple of years ago when it first rolled out, but it certainly doesn't anymore with what Spotify already gives you. But if you were a big fan of Spotify stations, then before the service goes away, you can go in and take your favorite stations and save them as playlist. So you can still keep that around. I wonder how long those playlists are because you know, things like this give you the impression that it's basically an infinite playlist. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I would be very curious. Or, or maybe they're dynamic playlists because you can have those too. So I, yeah, I, I don't get this. I, I, I noticed last week that our uh, friend of the show, Jared Newman, kind of lamented the demise of this in his weekly newsletter. And I didn't really understand why he cared and why he would <laughs> want something separate from 
the Spotify experience itself. And the only thing that I can really conclude is that this was a clean, simple experience to be able to call up like these curated stations that you created like you can on Pandora and it, it was devoid of all of the other stuff, right? Like you didn't have to have, you didn't have to wade through everything to get to this. Sure. But it's a feature. This, this never struck me as something that needed to be an app. This is a feature. Exactly. Exactly. And now it is just a feature. <laughs> All right, our next audio story this week is from SoundCloud. We haven't talked about them in a while, but they have purchased a company called Musio. Is that how you would pronounce this, Richard? M-U-S-I-I-O. I have zero yeah, idea. Yeah, I'm sure that like no one's ever heard of this before. But they are a an be be prepared here, Richard, because you're probably gonna cringe when I say this, but they are a music AI system. Yeah. Try, try not to twitch it sure. at, at that phrase right. AI. Uh I know. I used it earlier, so <laughs> I already rang the bell. Right. But their system, you know, they've developed a, an algorithm uh for tagging you know, many different aspects about songs and using that metadata and putting them into related playlists, similar to what Pandora would do or these stations, things like that. Um, but in theory, they must do this pretty well, probably better than what SoundCloud already had. So uh, it's pretty easy to guess what they're going to use this technology for. They're going to use it to find music from essentially a lot of unknown artists and use it to bubble it up, to, you know, to bubble up those songs to listeners that might like it. And SoundCloud is a really great spot for this because SoundCloud is one of the most popular locations for indie and upcoming artists. Like if you go to SoundCloud right now and look through the, the front page of all of the different songs and stuff, uh, there is a like single digit chance that you've ever heard of any of the artists that are on that front page. And I think for most people, that's intimidating. Like, why am I going to start here if I don't even really know where to start? But if they can give you high quality playlist based on things that you might like, then it, it ends up being a place for, you know, if, if you're that person who really likes telling all of your friends, I found this indie artist that no one's ever heard of. You've got to check them out. This might work out really, really well for you. And you could be one of those people at, you know, the, the, the concerts for these artists where there are 12 people at their show. And in three years, they're filling up, you know, stadiums. And you are one of the cool people that was there before they were big. That's, that's the potential here with this acquisition from SoundCloud. And I've used SoundCloud in the past kind of sporadically, but really more for just following some of the indie-ish artists that I already knew about because they were posting a lot of their newest stuff there. Now, it seems like if if you've made it past that initial tier where like some people have at least heard about you, you're probably on Spotify. But if you're brand new, if you're a bedroom musician or whatever, you're on you're on SoundCloud and 
you know, that's where Billie Eilish started, right? Like she was just making music in her bedroom at home with her brother. And now she's huge. And you can find musicians like that on SoundCloud. So if, if this technology works well, it could really help propel careers of, of some of those better artists that are available and struggling to make a name for themselves. So I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm going to give it a little bit more of a try. I tried it some tonight. Um, I listen to a lot of like more indie folk Americana sort of stuff. And I found their, their charts. That's how they currently have things in, in charts, which is a, a normal thing for music services and went to the section for folk and, and indie stuff. And it was basically all just pop. I'm like, this isn't what I'm looking for. Like, I haven't even heard an acoustic guitar yet. And I listened to five songs. That's that's not folk, folks. So hopefully the service is going to make that work a little bit better over on SoundCloud. All right. Our last music story or audio related story is a very quick one. And that is just to let you know that if you are in the Apple Music ecosystem and have been annoyed that you can't listen to Apple Music on a Roku device, which is probably fairly common because Apple TVs are great, but they're expensive. So maybe you've got cheapo Rokus on other TVs in your house. Well, now Apple Music has come to Roku devices. You know, this just makes sense. Get your music service on the most popular streaming stick. Makes sense. It does. It does. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later when we get to my entertainment center because I had an interesting experience this past week when I was away trying to access music from my Apple Music library mm. without an Apple TV. Good teaser for what's going on in your entertainment center later in the show. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Well, let's get on to the gaming news. And there's a few stories here. Most of them will go by pretty quickly, I think. So first up, the biggest news of the week. And in other weeks, this may not even be the biggest news. But y'all have to remember, if you are looking for gaming news, this is the drought period. We would normally have E3 in less than a month. Actually, about a month. We're not going to have E3 this year. But lots of companies are still holding all of their announcements for roughly that same time frame. So not going to be tons of, of big gaming news over the next couple of weeks until about that second week of June. Anyway, the big news that did happen over the last couple of weeks is a group called Embracer Group, which is really just a, a media conglomerate. They own a bunch of game studios already, purchased a few studios from Square Enix. They purchased... Uh, IDOS, Crystal Dynamics, and Square Enix Montreal. And if you're wondering, okay, so what games do they make? The biggest ones are the Tomb Raider series, the Deus Ex the series, Thief, and then a lot of other smaller ones. But Tomb Raider, pretty big deal. In fact, they just announced in the last couple of weeks that they are working on another huge AAA Tomb Raider game using the Unreal Engine 5. It's going to be amazing. So what does Embracer Group already have? Well, it's a lot of like double A games. The, you know, Embracer Group you've probably never heard of because they're 
They're a lower tier uh, publishing group, basically. So the game that you've probably heard of from the hundreds of IP that Embracer Group owns is Borderlands. And then a lot of, like I said, a lot of, of AA games. Embracer bought these three studios for $300 million. That's kind of nothing compared to a lot of the the studio acquisitions that we've been hearing about over the last couple of years, especially when it's three pretty big name studios. It's really probably, but between IDOS and Crystal Dynamics, these will probably be their two biggest name studios across all of the Embracer Group studios. It's 1,100 employees across eight different locations. So why did they do this? Well, Square Enix says that they sold it to help them invest more in the blockchain, AI, and the cloud. I'll give you a minute to like stop throwing up from hearing that line of crap. And like, I, I hope it is, I hope it's not real, right? Because if it is, blah, like no one wants that from Square Enix. We want them to continue making really great games, not blockchain shenanigans. Not what I'm looking for here, right? Here's what I wonder. I haven't heard anybody else throw this theory out there, but as Microsoft and Sony continue to try and gobble up all of the big name studios and publishers, I I think it would make a lot of sense for Sony to try to buy Square Enix. They've been partnering really closely together. Final Fantasy 14 is only on PlayStation. Final Fantasy 16 is only going to be on PlayStation. A lot of the big name Square Enix stuff is going Sony exclusive. And if Sony could grab Square Enix, it would be huge. Maybe not quite as big as the Activision Blizzard uh, acquisition from Xbox, but almost that big. It would be massive. And maybe Sony was like, yeah, we totally want you, but we don't want all of you. So how about you get rid of these other things? And that would make this a little bit easier for us to swallow. And we wouldn't have to pay you as much. Does this sound like a completely crazy theory? Am I going full on conspiracy theorist here, Richard? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. I mean, I don't really know anything about these studio houses, but it seems like an interesting opportunity maybe i don't know i don't know it it i i feel unequipped to weigh in <laughs> on this one and i rarely say that yeah yeah what i don't know is is some of the other businessy stuff like you know sony is currently in the process of acquiring bungie do they have to wait until that's done before they can acquire another one i i wouldn't think so yeah. Because I don't know. you know, back at I think it was E three twenty eighteen is when Microsoft came out on stage and said, Yeah, we just acquired six studios. Six? Right. Oh, what? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I don't uh, know. Yeah. Also in a rare uh turn of events, I don't own any interest in any of these companies. <laughs> So it would be the perfect opportunity for you to share your I, opinion. Right? And you don't. Right? Have I still have no opinion. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see. Like I that's definitely an acquisition that I don't want to have happen because 
I really like Square Enix games and would like to play them on my console of choice, which is still currently Xbox. Okay, so let's move on to a little bit of Xbox news uh, to, to kind of demonstrate how slow of a news week this was. Uh, uh, one of the biggest stories going around is that uh, a, a news outlet got rumors of the Xbox streaming device again. It's not really a new device. Microsoft confirmed last year at E3 that they were working on some sort of streaming device. And really the only real news here is, and by news I mean rumor, is that it's like confirmed that the, the device will be either a stick or a puck form factor. Yeah, no kidding. Like what else was it going to be? A, a, How is that a confirmation of anything? Come on. Exactly. exactly. So that's not great. And then the, the only other part of their rumor was, and it'll be out within the next year. Cool. That's kind of what we've, like, I think most of us figured probably sometime in 2022, assuming the supply chain doesn't wreck these plans like it's wrecked everything else in the last two and a half years. Here's the thing. I have very little confidence that this is actually going to happen. And I know, I know this is what we've been talking about and we've been wanting for years. But between the supply chain and between Microsoft's wishy-washy decision to move forward or not move forward with different projects that they've told us about over the past couple of years, I just don't have a lot of faith in this. This doesn't make them a lot of money. In fact, I might argue this doesn't make them enough money to make sense for them financially. Well, but this device is all about selling Xbox Game Pass subscriptions. That's where the money True. is. It, it, it's not in the device. They don't care about the device. They want to make this device as cheap as possible. This is just about giving you more ways to stream games through Xbox Cloud Gaming. And to do that, you need to pay them $15 a month. Yep. And we stockholders do like those recurring fees. We sure do. Even though we consumers do not. <laughs> right. Right. So... I, I think that's the play, and that's why I think it'll still happen. Also, while what you said there is largely true about Microsoft in general, the Xbox division has been friggin' killing it for the last few years. Fair enough. And and they've put out everything that they've announced. <laughs> so I, I do think this is coming. Uh, while that, that was more rumor, uh, Xbox did uh, announce some numbers related to game streaming, and some of their plans going forward. Uh, perhaps the biggest news related to that is that they're adding Fortnite to the cloud gaming streaming service, which means that you're go going to be able to play Fortnite on an iPhone again uh, and pretty much anything anywhere else, so a web browser, an Android phone, uh, an Xbox, a PC, anywhere that you can do Xbox cloud gaming, you're going to be able to play Fortnite now. And if you're thinking, well, why would I pay $15 a month to Xbox for Xbox Game Pass to have Xbox Cloud Gaming to play Fortnite, which is a free-to-play game? Well, you don't actually have to. That's one of the cool things here. You'll be able to use Xbox Cloud Gaming for free to play Fortnite. You just won't be able to play the Xbox Game Pass games through this. And 
at first you're like, well, cool, that's a really nice thing for them to do. And and it makes people think, well, they're probably going to add more free-to-play games, like maybe Call of Duty Warzone or Halo Infinite's free-to-play multiplayer, maybe Apex Legends. And this costs them money. Like, this is their servers it being used by people, and they're not getting anything out of it directly. All they can really hope for is that people are going to use the Game Pass app to do this and see all of these other games that they could be playing and then give them $15 a month to play those other things instead of Fortnite. Right, right. This is a free drugs model. It is, for sure. But you could get a lot of free drugs. I mean, you like... (laughs) It's not exactly the free drugs model, right? Because... I mean... (laughs) That would be a good title, but we probably shouldn't use that. Probably not. Probably not. Because <laughs> when we talk about the free drugs model, we mean you get one thing for free, and then you're expected to spend lots of money on on more things in right. the future. Right. You could play Fortnite every day, all day, forever, and never give them any money here. So, I don't know. We'll see. I, but they mu- they must think it's going to work, and, and and I think it probably will because. The service is doing well, and it's a really great service. All right, moving on uh, again to some quicker updates. GeForce Now, the cloud gaming service from NVIDIA, has now expanded their 4K streaming options. Previously, if you wanted to stream in 4K, you could only do that on the NVIDIA Shield. Now, you're going to be able to do it on a PC or a Mac. That's pretty great. But, of course, it does require you to be paying for their RTX 3080 tier. That's their top tier. And that's going to cost you $20 a month to be able to do it. So you've really got to want to be streaming in 4K at up to 120 frames per second. uh, Because 20 bucks a month seems like a lot to just have access to the service. That doesn't include a library of games. This is just you're playing the games you've already purchased in the cloud because you couldn't build a massive gaming PC of your own because you either didn't have a billion dollars or you weren't (laughs) able to find a video card to buy both likely options. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, um, remember this one you might weigh in on Richard. Uh, I think it was just the last episode we were talking about Sony and they've clarified what the, PlayStation Now services are going to look like in the multiple tiers. And we were surprised at how consumer-friendly Sony was being when we talked about how if you had PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now, that they would take your subscription and whichever one was longer, like if you had PlayStation Plus for a year and PlayStation Now for two months, they would convert you into a PlayStation Plus Premium, which is the new top-tier one, for a year because it it was the longer of the two things that you had. And we're like, that's great. That's super nice. We're so shocked that Sony's doing something so consumer friendly. Right. They never do stuff like that. And they really didn't want to do this one either because (laughs) about two days after we recorded that episode, Sony made it impossible for you to stack your PlayStation plus subscriptions any longer. So if you already had PlayStation Now... But, but to define that, yeah. does that So, mean? like, let's say you had six months remaining on your PlayStation Plus subscription, and you have a couple of months of PlayStation Now. And you, you could get a 
one year PlayStation Plus subscription card, which they actually stopped selling those late last year in anticipation of this because they're jerks. But it's still possible to get them. You maybe had them and you hadn't redeemed them or whatever. Like it is still possible to get them now. Uh, so it, you could have purchased one and then applied it to your account and had two years of PlayStation Plus. And you could have done multiple years of this and then only had a month or two of PlayStation Now, which is the more expensive. It's like, I think it's a $20 a month service and had multiple years of this new PlayStation Plus premium thing. Yeah, they're not allowing you to stack those subscriptions anymore so that you can't, you know, get it to a place where you could end up with years and years and years of this top tier service for dirt cheap. They're not allowing you to do that. Microsoft, they didn't stop you. They basically told you you could do this and that you should probably right. go and do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, this is what people were doing for years with the live subscriptions. Right. And that, you know, a company would actively prevent you from basically creating a backlog of subscription months that you can use. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I think about this in relation to what I talked about last week or two weeks ago, rather, where I joined the Disney Plus bundle, but I've already paid for the Disney Plus service. So basically it added on to that. It, 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 it created an extended subscription for me that it's now subtracting from. And Apple has done that too. Apple's done that thing where, oh, well, you already paid for this. So we're going to refund you for the difference that you paid in yeah, Sony. Sony. Oh, geez. I should own stock in Sony. I, I'm convinced after tonight that I should own <laughs> stock in Sony. Right. Yeah. I mean, if if you can make an example of Apple being more consumer friendly than than another company. Oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> I it, it was too easy. Had had to take the shot. <laughs> All right, last gaming story of the night, and that is and we we kind of teased this at the beginning of the segment. E3 may not be happening, but a lot of the things that would normally happen during the E3 time frame still are and Perhaps the biggest, and and not just the. I'm not just saying that because I'm an Xbox fan. I think it's been the case for a couple of years because some of the other guys have pulled out, like Sony. The Xbox and Bethesda showcase is still going to happen, and it's still going to happen the same time that it would have happened if E3 was going to be a thing this year. So Sunday, June 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern. The Xbox and Bethesda Games Showcase will take place, streaming everywhere. Uh, it won't it won't be hard to find. Uh, my guess is we'll get a, a full announcement of that streaming stick, along with lots of other, of course, gaming announcements and all of that. So very much looking forward to that in June. But that wraps up our gaming news. So let's jump into what's going on in our entertainment centers. All right, so I'll start with what I've been watching, and then I'll follow up with some hardware stuff. So Picard, season two is over. I watched the finale, and it was good. It was good. 
it was better than the rest of the season. I am optimistic that season three, which I believe is the final season, although I shouldn't predict that because I seem to always be wrong about stuff like that. Uh, I am hoping that it will be better. And based on what I'm reading, it has the potential to be better. I started watching Strange New Worlds, which had its premiere episode last week. It was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And what Strange New Worlds is going to do, which Picard didn't, is that Strange New Worlds is going to be episodic. You are going to get contained episodes each week, like a Star Trek episode, where you no longer have to watch every single episode in the season to know what's going on. So I'm very excited about that. I think that's getting back to the roots of what Star Trek has been. And that John is in the chat right now. He and I have actually chatted about this. This is the thing that I've missed so much about Discovery and Picard. Although I think Picard took this to new extremes and I hope they dial it back a little bit next season. We finished A Discovery of Witches, the first season one. There are, I think, three or four seasons of this. So we'll continue on with that. That's been really good. I um, also am really excited that the final season of Grace and Frankie, the final episodes of the final season are now available. So we have started watching that again. And I finished watching the series The After Party, which I think I mentioned before I watched because the guys over at Home Tech FM said that there was some um, technology in it and it was interesting and legit and they were right. Otherwise, oh, sorry. Um, I dozed off there for a minute. It was not really all that exciting. So I don't recommend that other people give that a try. We have been watching Doctor Who and caught up on another episode of that. I did what you said you did last time, which is that I finally watched Spider-Man No Way Home. I also watched Joker, and I don't ever want to talk about that again. <laughs> but are there things that we, you, we, you and I might want to talk about regarding Spider-Man that we can talk about without spoilers? I thought it was great. I loved it. I thought it was very clever. There were hints in the media about stuff that was going to happen and people that were in it. And I tried not to pay too much attention and I didn't feel spoiled. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I, I agree. I, I think it was definitely one of the, if we're calling Spider-Man MCU, it's definitely one of the, the better MCU movies that I've seen. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have as much history with some of the Spider-Man movies, uh, all of the amazing Spider-Man movies, uh, I didn't see any of them and, uh, Ditto. yeah. So, so some of, some of the things that happened in there didn't hit home quite as hard. And some of the, the really big things did have to be explained to me later, uh, as to why they might've been so much more extra impactful, but even having not seen those movies. They did it well enough for me to understand. Oh yeah, this is kind of a big deal. Um, and, and I, I really liked it. Yeah. I, I mean, it, as much as I'm going to like it, uh, I, maybe that's not quite fair. 
because uh, that would mean that it's my favorite of any of these movies, and I'm not going to go that far. But for a comic book movie, <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I my only real my only real complaint, and it's a huge one, is just how friggin' stupid the premise is. Like, I'm sorry, Doctor Strange isn't that dumb. It's not that dumb. <laughs> like this this plot never needed to happen. Well, I mean, you could argue about that for many of the Marvel movies, but yeah. I don't know. Like, most of the things that were done in the Avengers movies and stuff at least made a reasonable... Like, I'm struggling to think of anything that was as dumb of a decision as what Doctor Strange did as the whole premise of this movie. And if that's not a good enough teaser to watch it, then I don't know what we can tell you, but I think it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. watch. thoroughly thoroughly yeah, enjoyed if it. even i agree that it's definitely worth a watch it's probably worth a watch all right so i mentioned that i was going to get back to some hardware stuff so i was down at the beach house last week getting ready for the new season and so as part of that i travel with my put it in air quotes or whatever this is the full name of it chromecast with google tv and my chromecast with google tv Let's me not just watch video, but also listen to music. And I thought, well, my music stuff is Apple Music now, particularly now that I canceled Amazon Music. That means I only have access to the stuff that they make available to Prime. I want my music library. And I learned that you can, in fact, access your Apple Music through your Chromecast with Google TV. And I'm not talking about, yeah, just cast it. No, that's more difficult than you might ever imagine. In fact, you can set through Google Home your default music service to be Apple Music. And if you do that, then when you tell your Chromecast through your remote to play some music, it's going to play it through Apple Music. Now, what's really interesting about this is there is no Apple Music app for the Chromecast Google TV environment. If you oh. have a Google TV, if you have an Android TV, and you go to the Play Store and you try to load the Apple Music app, it tells you this is incompatible with your device. But it still works. There, But if Apple Music is your default music service, then it will somehow magically load Apple Music to play the music that you want to listen to. Now, my experience with this is that it is about 50% reliable. What? If I ask it to play something like play piano music, it'll play piano music. If I ask it to play classical music, it'll play classical music. If I ask it to play a particular song or artist, I'm good. But if I say play jazz or play just some random genre of stuff, that might not be exactly what it's expecting to hear, it doesn't work. And it says, trying to load Apple Music. Cannot load Apple Music. Not available on this device. <laughs> so there's still some work to be done, but it's pretty cool that this works at all. So I, I'm i not super familiar with Apple Music. Could you use your voice to say, hey, start playing something that then works and then control Apple Music from your from your iPhone? Oh, that's a really good question, and I did not try that, so I don't know. You should try that. Yeah. 
Well, we're rented for the season happily, so I won't get to try that until the you fall. You can plug your Chromecast in at home. If I can find it. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a box somewhere for the beach. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So uh, while we're talking about music, I occasionally will mention stuff that I'm listening to. And my latest earworm, if I haven't mentioned this already, I know that I've talked about my latest favorite composer, Thomas Bergerson. He has a cut called Aura, A-U-R-A, Aura, on an album called Illusions. It is amazing. It's everything that I love about his music. And if you're looking for a way of getting introduced to what I love about his sound, this is a great cut to listen to. Cool. All right, Josh, that's it. That's all I have. All I see on your list, well, I see two things. And one of them we just talked about because you already talked about it last week. Right. I don't know why I didn't delete it. I, well, I didn't delete it because I wasn't sure if we were both going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, and there's there's a couple that I've just kind of stopped putting on here because I play them all the time. Uh, so I didn't put NHL on there, but you know, I play it all the time. I did play a little bit more Final Fantasy 13, like I discussed last time. But a, a new game came out to Game Pass. It was a, a day one launch on Game Pass that I was interested in. It's called Trek to Yomi, uh, Y-O-M-I. And it's a really interesting game that, like, if you are into classic samurai movies, and when I say classic, I mean, like, the black and white ones and everything... If you're into that type of movie, you should pro you should probably check out Trek to Yomi as a game, especially if you've got Game Pass because it doesn't cost you anything. It's really a 2D kind of side scroller uh samurai game that has every visual styling of a classic samurai game. It's in black and white. It's got the film grain. It's got the same type of visual effects and audio effects. It's really well done as like an homage to classic samurai games. The gameplay itself is fine. It is nothing to write home about, but it is, it's fun. Um, but what I've heard, cause I've only got like an hour or so into this game, um, is that eventually the, the combat gets kind of repetitive. Um, but it, it sounds like, you know, most of the people who've played it through have really enjoyed the overall experience and hey, if you've got Game Pass, it doesn't cost you anything to try that out. So I think that's it for me for the last two weeks. Uh, oh, well, you know, actually, there is one other little little tiny thing that happened uh, uh, about a week and a half ago. The NHL playoff started and the Pittsburgh Penguins feel like I need to point this out. The longest streak in professional sports for making it to the playoffs 16 years in a row they're in the playoffs nice and i did not have nice. high expectations for this team they have completely surpassed all of them they are obliterating the new york rangers they're up three to one in the series they're hopefully going to be moving on to at least the next round so you might get to hear me talking about penguins playoff hockey for a couple more weeks i would like to be talking to, about it for about one month longer, because that's roughly when the Stanley Cup fight, the Stanley Cup would be handed out. So that's what I'm hoping for. Now, nice. I was not like 
had absolutely zero expectations of that two weeks ago, but man, things are going well now. Yeah. That's cool. Playoffs were on last week at the beach house. So you can tell that I wasn't in control of the remote (laughs) at that time. Yeah. Well, it's been some really good, like it's not just that series. Like a lot of the series have been really, really good. So if you're just kind of a occasional casual fan of hockey, like seriously right now would be a good time to turn it on, check out some of the games. The Penguins games have been good. The Tampa Bay Toronto series has been really good. I would tell you to watch the Colorado series, but they were obliterating Nashville so badly that that series is already over. Uh, But, I mean, basically, turn on any game, and you're probably going to be treated to a really, really good hockey game. So it's a great game Yeah, I think I was watching Tampa Bay because the other team was getting trout. Well, that's been a weird series because they've – they that series is tied and both teams have had complete blowouts it's been a really weird series <laughs> yeah it's been good all right well that's it for what's going on in our entertainment centers if you'd like to get a hold of us or find more information on any of the things that we talked about tonight you can head on over to the digital media zone.com and you'll get all of our show notes uh to to every story that we talked about plus all of our contact information. But if you just want to find us on Twitter, Richard is at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard, and the website is at DigiMediaZone. And while you're over there, you can check out Richard's other podcast called Home On. Richard, what's going on with Home On? Next episode up, I am finally, finally going to be talking about Home Assistant, something that listeners have been asking for for literally years. I hoped to get this out earlier, but Having to ready the vacation property for the season put me back a little bit. I'm hoping this will be out any day now. Cool. Look forward to checking that out. Also, we were back to doing this show live on Twitch. So hopefully, maybe getting back into, I don't, uh, yeah, that's not true. And, and, and it's Tuesday. And it's Tuesday. You're right. We even did it on a Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. We say that we normally do it at that time. And see, we're not liars. Uh, I don't know about next week. <laughs> there should be a show next week. It just might not be on Tuesday because um, I, I have a busy Tuesday next week. And like I said, it's May. May is December 2.0. So we're just doing whatever we can to get by in, in May. And so should you and show Lots and lots of grace to everybody you know who is just struggling to get through this month and to get through the end of the school year. Good advice. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 588. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.